0: In the book of Genesis, we find the story of Joseph, his father Jacob, and his 11 brothers. It is a story of favoritism, jealousy, betrayal, and redemption made famous by the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Joseph suffered at the hands of his brothers, yet found himself in power in Egypt, saving the people from seven years of famine. How does this story speak to our faith What can we learn from the life of Joseph? Join lay pastor Mary Scheidler as we join the story with Joseph being reunited with his brothers in Egypt. This week at Community Presbyterian Church. Let us pray. Creator God, you created us with free will and freedom of choice. By the power of your Holy Spirit, speak your word through the words of Scripture, that we may live according to your will, through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Mary is preaching on the Genesis text, so I will start with the reading from Psalm 37, verses 1 through 11 and 39 and 40. Don't get upset over evildoers. Don't be jealous of those who do wrong. Because they will fade fast like grass. They will wither like green vegetables. Trust the Lord and do good. Live in the land and farm faithfulness. Enjoy the Lord and he will give what your heart asks. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him. He will act and will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. Your justice like high noon. Be still before the Lord and wait for him. Don't get upset when someone gets ahead, someone who invents evil schemes. Let go of anger and leave rage behind. Don't get upset. It will only lead to evil. Because evildoers will be eliminated, but those who hope in the Lord, they will possess the land. In just a little while, the wicked won't exist. If you go looking around their place, they won't be there. But the weak will inherit the land. They will enjoy a surplus of peace. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their refuge in times of trouble. The Lord will help them and rescue them, rescue them from the wicked. And he will save them because they have taken refuge in him. Our gospel reading is from the gospel of Luke chapter 6. Verses 27 through 38. But I say to you who are willing to hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks, and don't demand your things back from those who take them. If you treat people in the same way that you want to be treated, if you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be paid back in full. Instead, love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. You will be acting the way children of the Most High act, for he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good portion, packed down, firmly shaken and overflowing, will fall into your lap. The portion you give will be determined the portion you receive in return.
1: Before I read our scripture reading from the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 45, we better have a little background so that the story makes sense. The main character in today's story is Joseph, who was the first of two sons of Jacob and Rachel. Joseph was actually Jacob's 12th child and 11th son. Joseph was the most beloved of all of Jacob's sons. He was despised by his envious brothers who were angry and jealous of him jacob the father had given his son joseph an amazing and magnificent coat of many colors the other brothers were angry and they had a chance one day and they grabbed him and sold him as a slave to a party of traveling ishmaelites who took him to egypt upon arriving back home the brothers told their father that a wild beast had killed his favored son Meanwhile, in Egypt, Joseph has a few misfortunes and ends up imprisoned. He becomes acquainted with the other prisoners and uses his gift of being able to correctly interpret dreams to gain favor. Eventually, he has the opportunity to do this for Pharaoh, and he gets out of prison. From there, Joseph rises to second-in-command in all of Egypt, and he saves Egypt and many people during a famine. And later, Joseph's family of origin, Jacob and all the brothers, travel to Egypt to escape the famine, and this is where we pick up the story. So Genesis 45, and it's titled Joseph Reveals His Identity. Joseph said to his brothers, "I am Joseph. Is my father really still alive?" His brothers couldn't respond because they were terrified before him. Joseph says to his brothers, "Come closer to me and move and move closer." They did, and then he said, "I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold to Egypt. Now don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves that you sold me here. Actually, God sent me before you to save lives. We've already had two years of famine in the land and there will be five years left without planting or harvesting. God sent me before you to make sure that you would survive and to rescue your lives in this amazing way. You didn't send me here. It was God who made me a father to Pharaoh and master of his entire household and ruler of the whole land of Egypt. Hurry, go back to your father. Tell him this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me the master of all of Egypt. Come down to me quickly, don't delay. You may then live in the land of Goshen, so you will be near me, your children and your grandchildren, your flocks, your herds, and everyone with you, I will support you. Your household and everyone with you won't starve since the famine will last another five years. You and my brother Benjamin have seen with your own eyes that I'm speaking to you. Tell my father about my power in Egypt and about everything you've seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he threw his arms around his younger brother Benjamin's neck and wept and Benjamin wept on his shoulders. He kissed all his brothers and wept, embracing them that after that his brothers were fully able to talk to him. A little aside here, a little history lesson, is that when those brothers came to Egypt with their family, that's how the Israelites first came to Egypt and inhabited Egypt. And they lived in Goshen, which is an area in the eastern part of of Egypt in the Nile Delta, and it was fertile. And the father, Jacob, was later given the name Israel, and he is regarded as the patriarch of all of the Israelites. Jacob is the son of Isaac and Rebekah and the grandson of Abraham and Sarah. So this family has a lot, a lot of history. Jacob fathered 12 sons through his wives and concubines. These 12 sons all became head of their own family and later became known as the 12 tribes of Israel. And Benjamin was given special treatment from his brother Joseph because Benjamin and Joseph were full blood brothers. This is a complicated story with many elements including a blended family where favoritism is shown. Joseph is is the favored child of Rachel and Jacob, and Rachel was the favored wife. Jealous brothers kept a huge secret from their father for some 22 years. The story goes, at first, the brothers wanted to actually kill Joseph, but instead, they just beat him up and threw him into a well pit naked. And then they got the brilliant idea that they could make some money by selling him off as a slave to a passing caravan. Joseph's life dramatically changes from being a slave to becoming a ruler. And that is because of his supernatural gift to interpret dreams and his skills to manage people and land. Forgiveness also comes into play. Joseph could have ordered his brothers that were standing before him trembling to be beheaded. But instead, he asked them to come closer and he wept over them. It is understandable that the brothers were trembling with fear when Joseph revealed just who it was he was. And look how he does it. He just says, I am Joseph. He doesn't beat around the bush, he's just clear. He continues by saying I am Joseph whom you sold into Egypt he is honest he says the truth it's sort of like on dragnet for those of you that are old enough to remember remember sergeant Friday he always just said just the facts ma'am and that's what Joseph is doing he's just telling the facts he's not telling how he feels Joseph also did not diminish what his brothers had done, and instead of rubbing it in and taking advantage of his powerful position to do them any harm, he is compassionate and tells them not to be angry or grieved with themselves. Somehow, he has apparently gotten past his own anger and grief. He has moved on, and he can now be forgiving. Maybe he could be forgiving because of the passage of time, 22 years. It also could be because he's got a great life going, and he may not have had that in his homeland of Canaan. Joseph now had a very comfortable life. He was living in a fine home. He had gold. He had wonderful clothes appropriate to his high and powerful office. He had official transportation. He even had an Egyptian name and they gave him an Egyptian wife from an upper-class family. Joseph was in an incredibly powerful position, second only to Pharaoh. Or could it be that Joseph recognized he was part of a larger picture, sort of like Noah, who was building that ark and didn't know what it was all about, but as it turned out, Both of these children of God, Noah and Joseph, were agents in the divine plan. So about 25 years ago, when we still had an airport where commercial flights flew into Grand Rapids, my mother flew home from Arizona for part of the summer, and I went out to pick her up. And being a small town, there was always somebody at the airport that you knew or recognized you, and you recognized them. And as I walked in, I can remember, I kind of had my head down, my shoulders up, and a friend of mine said, Hi, Mary. And I said, Hi. She said, You look really sheepish. What's happening? I said, Well, I'm here to pick up my mother, and I never know what's going to happen. She said, you know, why don't you just greet your mother with a hello and a kiss and a hug, and it will be okay. And of course, it was. So back to Joseph and his nervous, trembling brothers. Joseph Joseph explained to them, saying, actually, God sent me before you to save lives. We've already had two years of famine in the land, and there will be five more years left without planting or harvesting. God sent me before you to make sure you'd survive and to rescue your lives in this amazing way. You didn't send me here. It was God who made me a father to Pharaoh and master of his entire household and the ruler of the whole land of Egypt. Now, don't be confused about a father of Pharaoh. Apparently, this was just their way to say that Joseph acted like a father figure to Pharaoh and advised him as a father would advise a son. You see, Joseph could see beyond his own pain. He was smart enough to recognize God's purpose in all of these things that happened, and he was able to focus on this instead of what his brothers, his evil brothers, had done to him. Somehow, it sure seems like Joseph's trials and tribulations worked together. Because if his family of origin had not traveled to Egypt, and they would have stayed in Canaan, they just may have mingled with the pagan tribes, and they wouldn't have been a distinctive people. God had to put them in Egypt in a foreign place where they could grow, yet remain a distinctive nation. And why was that important? Remember those 12 sons? They became the 12 tribes of Israel. Is it fair to ask why was Joseph in Egypt? Was it because of the evil acts of his brothers or because of the good plan of God? It's quite a question. I believe the answer is both. But here's the tricky part. Does God cause pain and suffering for people just to fulfill God's own plan? Does God make good things and bad things happen to us? And just how much does God interfere in our lives? One idea is that God is good, but not sovereign. You remember back in the early 80s, there was a very popular book written by Rabbi Harold Kushner after the death of his own young son. The book was entitled, When Good Things, excuse me, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. The whole point of that book was to say God is all loving, but not all powerful. So when bad things happen to good people, It is because events are out of God's control. Rabbi Kushner advised his readers to learn to love God and forgive God despite God's limitations. That's one way to look at it. Or we could look at it as the Baptist preacher Charles Bergen said in the late 1800s, the free will of man and the predestination of God How wonderfully these two things meet in practical harmony. Man acts just as freely and just as guiltily as if there were no predestination. However, whatever. And God ordains, arranges, supervises, and overrules just as accurately as if there were no free will in the universe. Those are two very different viewpoints and how things might happen in our lives and in this world. And that probably leaves us wondering. The one thing I know for sure, and we can be reassured, that through all of the events of Joseph's life, God never left Joseph's side. And Joseph never stopped using the blessings and gifts God had given him. God loves each and every one of us just as God loved Joseph and all of his brothers. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Community Presbyterian Church in Grand Rapids, Minnesota.